This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. KYW Original Podcast. Really looking forward to hearing what Ray Didinger has to say about last week's press conferences with Carson Wentz in Indianapolis and Howie Roseman here in Philadelphia because Ray has a really excellent grasp on Philadelphia Eagles history. And it's safe to say that this past week, I believe it was Thursday if my memory serves me correct, that was a historic day in Eagles history because you had kind of overlapping press conferences. Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni on one video stream and Carson Wentz on another. And it was kind of like one end of an Eagles era ends and another begins. So, Ray, I'm, I'm curious. What did you learn from the Carson Wentz and Howie Roseman video conferences last week? Well, you're right. It was, uh, I don't recall, I don't, I never recall in Eagles history a situation quite like that. Some of it speaks to modern technology that in the world we live in, you're capable of of having simultaneous press conferences almost on a split screen from two different places. But that's what we had. Um, I think what, at least from my standpoint, I, I felt like I learned more from the Howie Roseman press conference than I did from the Carson Wentz press conference. Carson, Carson, not surprisingly, Carson chose to talk more about being in Indianapolis and looking ahead than looking back and discussing what went wrong in Philadelphia. Uh, Howie kind of addressed it a little bit more in depth and talked about the Eagles situation a little bit more, um, obviously because he happens to still be here in Philadelphia and he's the guy charged trying to get this team back on the track. So uh, I thought that, uh, you know, Howie, you know, Howie talked – but the conclusion that I came away with was how he sort of spelled the situation out by saying that what it came down to was that not that the Eagles wanted to necessarily move on from Carson Wentz. Uh, and what you came away with, at least what I came away with was the feeling that after the season that they, that they were really hoping that they could get Carson Wentz to come back next year with a different attitude and, um, and get him rehabilitated and, and get him back to play in the way Carson Wentz played earlier in his career. Uh, because frankly, they didn't want to be eating $34 million of dead salary cap money. You know, their hope was that they could still salvage Carson Wentz and, and how he was pretty straightforward in saying that Carson told them that that wasn't what he wanted, that he wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, and, uh, it convinced them to the point that they felt like they had no choice other than to trade him for whatever they could trade him for. You know, Carson was asked many times about why he wanted out of Philadelphia, uh, and he didn't really ever tell us why he wanted out of Philadelphia, just that he felt like he was he needed a fresh start, and he got that in Indianapolis. But 
of the two press conferences, I thought that I thought that Howie's kind of gave us a clearer picture of what went down. That in the end, it really was Carson Wentz's decision that he wanted to move on because he felt like he had uh, um, he had played out he had played out the string here in Philadelphia. So then, how genuine did you find Carson when he did speak about Eagles topics, mostly near the end when Philadelphia media had an opportunity to ask some questions? How genuine did you find him in his answers? And you kind of alluded to it. He said he wouldn't say one way or another whether or not he requested a trade. So what did you think of his genuineness when he was speaking about certain Eagles topics? Oh, I wouldn't say it was genuine at all. I thought it was very evasive. Um... But not surprising. I, I didn't really expect him um, to talk about what it was that drove him out of Philadelphia. I mean, I think all the people here would have liked to have heard that from him, from his own mouth. Because, you know, when all of this went down last year, uh, after he got benched in Green Bay and then sat the last four games behind Jalen Hurts, uh, all we kept hearing from the people around him was that he, that was it. He was done. He wanted out. We never heard it from him. We never heard. This was the first time we heard him speak, really, since the since that benching in Green Bay, which was which was last season. So everybody was kind of waiting to hear him kind of bring a little clarity to it. I didn't really expect it. Um, what we got from Carson Wentz was pretty much what I thought we were going to get, which was just all about, you know, I'm moving forward. You know, I'm happy to be in Indianapolis. I think this is a great situation. Uh, when he talked about when he talked about the Eagles at all, and when the Philadelphia press got their opportunity to ask the questions. Uh, about what went wrong, uh, he deflected most of them. You know, he didn't come out and he didn't he didn't he didn't rip the organization. He didn't rip Doug Peterson. He didn't rip his teammates. And I didn't expect him to. There was no nothing to be gained by doing that. It was all from his standpoint, and I'm sure this is how he's looking at it. It's all I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking to my new team, and he has reason to because I think it's a good team and I think it's a good situation for him. I mean, when from he- his stand from his standpoint, he's you know he's in a much better situation now, frankly, than he would have been if he stayed in Philadelphia. I think the Eagles are definitely entering a rebuilding period. Whereas I think the Colts are in position, they're already a playoff team, and I think they're in a position to make a real run in the AFC. I, I agree with you. It's, total, it's very difficult to argue with that Carson's in a better situation now, football-wise, than he was here in Philadelphia because he got what he wanted. He's with a winner now and not a rebuilding team here in Philly. One thing that stood out to a lot of people, Ray, was when he admitted that the first time he really thought this may be it for him in Philadelphia was was Green Bay, was the Green Bay game where he got benched at, shortly after halftime for Jalen Hurts. What was your reaction to him admitting that? Well, um, anybody that gets benched, especially a quarterback or a franchise quarterback that gets benched, is going to be a shock to his system. Uh, and uh, the fact that it, it causes you to stand there and kind of reevaluate your your situation in the team is understandable. I mean, anybody would have those thoughts. But the idea that, and what he was kind of suggesting was that he's standing here thinking, I, I, you know, I might be done here now, um, was extreme. Because I don't really think that when the Eagles made that made that decision to to sit him at halftime of the Green Bay game, um, it was with the thought that it was that the Carson Wentz era was over at that point. Uh, in fact. In all, in all honesty, I thought that Doug Peterson showed enormous patience with Carson Wentz. I mean, you could have, they could have easily benched him a couple of weeks earlier, given the way he was playing. Uh, I thought they stayed with him as long as they could. I mean, they could have easily benched him in the Seattle game. They could have easily pulled him in the Cleveland game when he was really awful. 
Uh, I thought that I thought that Doug showed enormous patience in staying with Carson as long as he could. But the Green Bay game, the first half of the Green Bay game, was so bad that they just they were desperately looking for a spark and they were willing to make the change. But I don't think it was with the thought that that they were that Carson Wentz was leaving the lineup and was never going to come back. I really think it was just look, we're down in this game. Let's put the kid in there and see if he can spark the team. But if if Jalen Hurts had gone in the second half of the Green Bay game and played, say, the way Nate Sudfeld played in the last game against Washington, Carson Wentz would have been back on the field the next week. I mean, I, this was not a permanent benching. I, I certainly didn't view it that way. But the fact is that Hurts came in and played and played good in Green Bay, and they gave him a chance to start against the Saints. And then once he beat the Saints the following week, well, then you you had to stay with him at that point. Um, so it, it, that's the way it unfolded. But I, you know, the fact that Carson was sort of expressing the idea that gee, my time in Philadelphia might be over at halftime of the Green Bay game. Well, maybe that's the way he was viewing it, but I don't think the Eagles were. That was just a one-game decision that uh, it turned out that Hurts played well enough that he kept the job. But the idea that well, it might be done for me here. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can understand he was puzzled, and I can understand that he was concerned. But the idea that he thought that the organization had given up on him at that point, I don't think was right at all. When when it was brought up to him that one of the narratives um, surrounding him is that he didn't want to compete with Jalen, and then but he defends it as he defends his competitiveness in response to that. When it was brought up to him that he 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 the narrative is that he did not want to compete compete with Jalen Hurts. Does he kind of contradict himself by defending his competitiveness? competitiveness but but at the same time admitting that he kind of thought it might be the end when he got benched in Green Bay uh you could take it that way I mean I think that he um I think that he's I I think he's a competitive individual I mean I I think anybody that saw him during his career knows that he competes really hard um but I think he was just uh I guess you might say selfishly looking for the better situation for him um I mean, you could say, uh, and there's a part of me that kind of says, okay, if you really are, if you really are a great competitor, if you really are um, that kind of competitor, then come back and compete next year at training camp with Jalen Hurts and win the job back and, and reestablish yourself as the quarterback here. If, you, if competition is really what it's about and ultimately that you're a great competitor, then stay here and compete for the job. But I think that what it came down to was he just, you know, he just didn't want to be here anymore. Uh, and I, I think that it comes down to the idea that if he, at this point in his life, age 28, if he's going to, if he's going to get a new start on his career, if he's going to get back to being the kind of player that he was in 2017, when for two thirds of that season was the best player in the NFL, if he's going to get back to that, that his best opportunity to get back to that, is to be somewhere else, you know, and that doesn't mean that he, that he doesn't want to compete. He wants to compete, but he wants to compete in a different situation. And I think he was looking at the Eagles right now, and it's hard to argue against this, is the Eagles are a team that are in, I mean, they're not in very good shape right now. I mean, organizationally, they're in disarray. Uh, there are a lot of things about the organization that sort of speak to an inherent kind of dysfunction. Uh, the roster, to me, is one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, and... They're coming into this draft. They have a lot of draft picks, but it's a team that hasn't drafted well in six years. So, yeah, I mean, he wants to compete, but he wants to compete somewhere where he has a feeling that that competition is going to take him somewhere. And I think he had given up the the idea that that was going to be Philadelphia. Come back and compete. Yeah, come back and compete to be on a bad team, 
No, I'd rather come back and compete and compete with a team that has a chance to win something. And he didn't feel the Philadelphia represented that anymore. I kind of think if you want to bottom line this, that's sort of what it came down to. And when you're summing everything up and looking at it for down the road when you put together the fourth Eagles Encyclopedia by Ray Didinger, uh, I believe one of the last times we spoke, you blatantly referred to, and understandably, as the, the Carson Wentz era as a failure, which I agree with you. In the end, it was a failure. They moved up for him in the draft. They committed historic money to him. And before the age of 30, he's sitting in a blue jacket in front of a Colts banner uh, as the Colts quarterback. That, that is the essence of a failure. And yes, he helped in 17 to win the Super Bowl, but he should have been the quarterback here for a decade plus, not for five years. Did Carson's reputation, in your mind, Ray, improve or get worse after last week's press conference? I think it remained the same. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think there was... I mean, I kind of had my own idea of what he was going to say in that press conference. Uh, and it was almost... I, I almost could have written it. You know, I mean, it's... If he, if he's... He's consistent, if nothing else, in terms of in, ter- in terms of how he presents himself to the media, how he answers questions. Um, I mean, that's just him. Um, you know, he never really said very much in any of his public press conferences. Good times are bad. I mean, good times are bad. After after a win, you pretty much knew what he was going to say, and after a loss, you pretty much knew what he was going to say. So there were no surprises in that. So there was nothing that came out of last week's pressers that changed my feeling one way or the other. I mean, his, I expected pretty much exactly what we got. It's just kind of a, you know, I'm moving forward. I'm moving on. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about, you know, Philly. I'm not here to talk about, you know, I, I like the fans. I like Philadelphia, no hard feelings, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, this is all about the Colts and this is a great situation and happy to be with Frank Reich. I mean, and I, I really knew that's what it was going to be, but you know, when you look at when you look at the whole Carson Wentz era, if you if you put it all together, you lay it all out on the table and you look at it. Um, I mean, there were some really good things in there. I mean, he, he's 33 touchdown passes in one year sets a team record. Uh, and you're right. I mean, you have to absolutely say that he had a hand in them in them getting to the Super Bowl because getting them off to that 11 and two start got them home field advantage, which is probably accounts for a lot of the reason why they made it through the NFC playoffs and. So in that sense, you know, he certainly had a hand in that championship season. But when you consider what you paid, the price that you paid to draft him, to move up to draft him, what he represented to you, which was going to be the franchise quarterback that everybody, including me, expected him to play here for a decade, you know, and then sort of be sort of be our Manning, sort of be our Elway, to be that guy uh, that was going to be the face of the franchise and bring you championships to at the end of five years to let him go and that he leaves here without ever winning a playoff game. You know, I mean, he had some, he had some really good moments. He had some great moments, Um, but he leaves here without ever winning a playoff game. He himself. Um, And at the end, when he leaves (laughs) your $34 million of dead cap money. Yeah. I mean, considering if you, if you weigh that against what your expectation was, when you made the moves to go up and draft him. Yeah. I mean, you have to say it sounds harsh, but there's no other way to look at it than other compared to what you thought he was going to be. And the way it turned out, it was a fail and that's unfortunate, but I, I, but I really do think, I know a lot of people don't think he's ever going to get back to that point and perhaps he won't, but my feeling is I still think at 28, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot to offer 
and he's stepping into a good situation. And it wouldn't surprise me. In fact, I expect that next year he's going to play for the Indianapolis Colts. He's going to play really well. And uh, and he's, I think he's going to have a big second chapter on his career, much like some other guys have done, Kurt Warners, Ryan Tannehill's, guys like that. Guys find new teams and reinvent themselves. And I really expect that Carson Wentz is a good enough talent that I think he'll do that in Indianapolis. Well, Ray, I really appreciate your insight. Thank you so much as always. And I look forward to the next time we chat about something Eagles related. Thanks and have a <laughs> – which is probably really soon. I, I really appreciate it, Ray. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, Dave. We have the draft is right around the corner. I'm sure we'll talk then. Exactly. Sounds good. That's Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of 94 WIP. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.